This is Dr. Dawn Russell. I'm a board-certified general OBGYN with over 20 years of practice experience. SheSpace is a place where I can share my experience, recommendations, and knowledge, and some would say opinion, on women's health ranging from general health to menopause to pregnancy and everything in between. Today's topic is urinary incontinence. So urinary incontinence, leaking, losing pee, peeing on yourself, having accidents. These are all talking about one idea, and that's when we urinate without really giving our body permission. We don't talk about this problem much. We don't even talk about it enough. Instead, we find workarounds, we make sure we're close to a bathroom, or we wear pads to avoid accidents. For the record, this is a $26 billion industry. And to give you some stats, 50% of women are going to deal with urinary incontinence in their lifetime. 50%. I didn't say 1%, I didn't say 10%, I said 50. That means when you look around the room, one of, out of every two women, every other woman you see, is going to have to deal with this in one way or the other. And yet, this is something we don't talk about. There are things that we can do to help people Hence, behaviors, evaluations, medications, surgeries, all of this to help women so that they don't have to live with this in their life. So one of the most important parts of this entire discussion is to discuss. It's the fact that we need to talk about this more, whether it means you talk about it more with your friends or if it means you actually bring it up to your doctor and ask the question. It's amazing that 50% of women deal with it, this, and yet it's hardly spoken about or brought up. Many times in my history of career, I've discussed these issues with patients, and after our discussion, had them say something like, why don't we talk about this more? We talk about everything else. What follows in this podcast is a very brief and superficial overview of urinary incontinence. More is a point of awareness than any attempt to treat or give recommendations. My hope is that this spurs enough thought to make you ask about treatments rather than feel you have to live with these issues. So first, let's talk a little bit about anatomy. The general idea of how your bladder sits in your pelvis, sitting on your pelvic floor. Your pelvic floor is the set of muscles and tendons and strong tissue that hold up everything in your pelvis. It's lying across your pelvic bones. So now I'm gonna ask you to use your imagination. I want you to imagine a water balloon with a straw coming out of it, as if that straw is angled just a little bit up from the water balloon. And then I want you to place that water balloon and straw on a sheet of stretchy fabric, like nylon. So what I'm having you picture is actually your bladder and urethra. Urethra is the name of the hole that we pee from. And this bladder and urethra structure sitting on your pelvic floor. So due to genetics and life and age and some behaviors, this pelvic floor is different in every woman. Some women have a pelvic floor that appears kind of close to like the nylons you wear on your legs. So it's very thin, very stretchy. Other women have pelvic floors that are more like a thick lycra, incredibly strong and really hard to disrupt. So in a healthy anatomic situation, 
if you push on the bladder, or the water balloon in this case, the straw or urethra doesn't necessarily let water out because the bladder is supported with that pelvic floor underneath, as well as the urethra. And these angles keep our urine in. However, with time and things like childbirth, that floor that holds up the, pelvic, the bladder and urethra can start to weaken and allow the angles to change between the bladder and urethra. When this happens, you can picture that straw kind of getting a downward angle, in which case it's a lot easier for urine to come out. So if you do something like cough or sneeze or laugh or run or jump, this puts pressure on the bladder. And because the angle of that straw may have fallen over time, it lets urine come out without you having control over it. There are many things that do lead to this situation, as I mentioned above. Um, so just the fact that we are humans, we walk upright, and we are subject to gravity means that over time, our pelvic floor does tend to weaken. And depending on your genetics of how strong or weak your pelvic floor is, you may or may not develop a situation like what we were just talking about. In women who have really good genetics and good healthy tissue, this support maintains so that the angles of the bladder and the urethra stay in a position that allow you to control your urine instead of it coming out when a small amount of force is applied to the bladder. The other thing that is a major contributor to the relaxation of the pelvic floor is pregnancy and childbirth. Now this makes sense. If you think about the weight of a pregnancy as a uterus and fetus grows, this pushes down on the pelvic floor and can start to weaken the pelvic floor. If you add on birth, you can see that by pushing a baby through the pelvic floor, this can incredibly weaken the structures. You may even consider all of this in an orthopedic sense in that it is bone and muscle and tissue. And you can almost consider pregnancy and childbirth a planned orthopedic injury to your pelvis. So what I just talked about regarding the angles and the pelvic structures and their strength all refers to a type of incontinence called stress urinary incontinence. And that refers to the physics of how we hold our urine in and if we apply pressure that can make us lose urine. There is another type of incontinence and that's called urge incontinence. So this has more to do with the nerves that run to the bladder. Urge incontinence means that rather than an anatomic push on the bladder, the bladder itself develops more of a spasm that can cause urine leakage. There are many things that lead us to the situation where a bladder can become a little spazzy. Um, and if this is more of a sudden onset for anybody listening, as in it's happened over the last week or two suddenly, you have to keep in mind that this could be a urinary tract infection, and I would highly recommend getting evaluated um, as soon as possible to make sure that you don't have a bladder infection. But otherwise, if this has been a long-term situation for you where you just feel like there wasn't a cough, there wasn't a sneeze, but all of a sudden your bladder just says, oh, I gotta go, and sometimes you don't make it to the bathroom. Just as a little side story, this happens from the time we're young and in fact, the best urge incontinence story I can think of is actually an eight-year-old. 
So my husband was ski instructing and had a group of eight-year-olds at the top of the mountain. And a little girl says to him, Todd, I've got to pee. And he says, okay, let's get down the mountain. About 10 seconds later, she says, Todd, I peed. And he looks at her and he says, well, do, what do we need to do? And she thinks for a second and she says, I'm okay. So I hope none of you are walking around with peace, sloshing in your ski boots or your ski suit. But this goes to show you that our bladder, even after we're bladder trained, can still cause some problems. So when we are babies and toddlers, we learn through potty train how to control these nerves so that we can hold in urine and hopefully go to the bathroom only when we choose. Now, just as a toddler, you have to learn how to control your bladder. You can lose that ability, meaning that your bladder can develop responses to sensations like having a very small amount of urine in the bladder or even sounds like running water where the bladder, bladder can spasm and make you either feel like you have to urinate all of a sudden or even spasm strong enough to actually make you lose urine. When you are experiencing urge incontinence like this, we can talk about a small amount of behavior modification. But also there are medications, if you're a candidate, that can appropriately treat this problem. Let's talk about some very basic behavior. So there are many things that we can ingest that can irritate the bladder. The most common are alcohol and coffee. Tobacco is another bladder irritant. Now, all of these things are important to consider in your lifestyle to see if anything may be adding to your problem so that possibly you can make small changes that could help you a lot. I'm not suggesting that you have to give up either alcohol or coffee entirely. But thinking about these modifiers in your life may actually be enough to change your habits and make you less likely to experience incontinence. Frankly, I am flat out suggesting that you give up tobacco because there's really just nothing positive about how it affects your body. If these basic behavior modifications either don't ring true for you or just don't work, then you need to talk to your women's healthcare provider or you can consider seeing a specialist called a urogynecologist which is somebody trained specifically in the pelvic floor and its construction and treatment of urinary continence. They're experts in talking to you about medications that might be available or interventions that might be available to help you not lose your urine anymore. Now I'm gonna return back to the idea of stress incontinence and what we can do about that. So I started out saying that this had to do with the weakening of the pelvic floor. So strengthening of the pelvic floor is a logical solution. Building up your core strength is going to help your pelvic floor support. So this starts with just basic good core exercises. Core exercises aren't just about the abdominal muscles. They're also about core back muscles. If you're unsure about what types of exercises might help you in this, the internet is a wonderful resource. If you type in core exercises, you will get so many to choose from, and you can find the ones that you think work best for you. There's also a specific set of exercises called Kegel exercises, which involve squeezing the vaginal muscles to help support and strengthen the pelvic floor. Now, these can be a little tricky, only because you can't visibly see the exercise, and it is important to try to isolate those vaginal muscles so that you're doing an efficient exercise. One way for you to check to see that you're squeezing the correct muscles 
is to put your finger inside your vagina and see if you can feel the squeeze. A partner can also be really helpful with this if they're willing to help you as well. And you can also ask your gynecologist for direction about correctly doing Kegel exercises. As I referred to this before, this is really a type of orthopedic injury. But please don't go ask your orthopod about this. They will very much look at you blankly. But this can be treated with physical therapy like other orthopedic injuries. And in the last couple of decades, physical therapy has really developed an understanding of helping women strengthen their pelvic floor. Strengthening may be all you need to help you your hold your urine and go about your daily activities without having to worry about putting on a pad. Strengthening and PT are not always enough to help some women. And the, in these cases, we are back to our GYN or our urogynecologist to discuss options and further treatments, such as the possibility of surgery. And then of course, we have to consider that the human body doesn't keep things simple. So it's entirely possible to have a mixed form of incontinence. And that means where you have both stress and urge, meaning you might have a situation where your anatomy doesn't provide the support to the urethra and bladder, and you also have a bladder that likes to spasm. This was an incredibly brief overview uh, about urinary incontinence and the components of it. I can't encourage you enough to start being vocal about this topic and to start to ask the questions with either friends or your gynecologist or your doctor. Urinary incontinence, incontinence is very common, but that doesn't mean you have to live with it. Basic understandings of the concepts surrounding urinary incontinence can help you have a discussion with your healthcare provider so that you can move forward to a drier future.